from 90.3 RLCW VPH FM in Piscataway. It's time for the core news for the week of Monday, November 29th. This week on the core news, we've got some news for you from around the world and some Rutgers student activities from right here in our own backyard. We've got a holiday gift buying guide to make it a little easier for you out there in the wilds of the malls. But first, it's time for the war update on Iraq and Afghanistan with Amy Bronstein. Sunday, November 28th, WikiLeaks.org published 220 government cables. The organization has 250,000 documents which it is releasing in installments on their website. The impending release of the documents sent Secretary of State Hillary Clinton scrambling across the globe in an act of preemptive damage mitigation, although only half of the cables were classified and none of them were top secret. The documents shed light on the U.S. use of diplomats in intelligence gathering in over 30 embassies worldwide. A cable issued in Hillary Clinton's name directed diplomats to collect biometric data, such as fingerprints and DNA, from permanent members of the United Nations Security Council, such as France, Russia, and China. U.S. diplomats were also ordered to gather personal information of U.N. members, such as credit card numbers and frequent flyer numbers. The WikiLeaks release also revealed international suspicions that North Korea had delivered advanced nuclear missiles to Iran, and that Saudi Arabia and some other Middle Eastern governments had pressured the U.S. to attack Iran. On Thursday, November 25th, Iraqi President Jalal Talabani officially nominated Nuri al-Maliki for a second term as prime minister, nine months after a split general election left no one party with a clear majority. This nomination gives Maliki a month to form a government in the fractious parliament. A breakthrough was reached recently in which Maliki's party agreed to form a coalition with the more hardline Shia party in parliament which has loyalties to Muqtada al-Sadr. Sadr has clear anti-American leanings and has at times commanded the Mahdi army, a Shia militia. And the U.S. is concerned that Sadrists may wind up in positions within the police or military in Iraq. In Afghanistan, also on Thursday, November 25th, Afghan President Hamid Karzai arrested three election officials and two money changers and accused a United Nations official of running a bribery ring. Karzai had objected to the results of recent elections, which were unfavorable with nearly every party. Corruption allegations have surrounded the recent elections, with over 1.3 million fraudulent ballots being thrown out so far. I'm Amy Bronstein with a Core News War Update. You're listening to the Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. Terrorism in Portland and remembrances of two public figures who recently passed away. Here's Rebecca Berkowitz. Comedian, comedian Leslie Nielsen died Sunday at the age of 84. He passed away at a hospital near his home in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where he was being treated for pneumonia. He was born in Canada in 1926 and started appearing on TV shows in the 50s. He had a starring role as Captain Harrison in the 1972 classic The Poseidon Adventure. But his greatest success came in the comedies Airplane and the Naked Gun movies. In 1988, he received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and in 2001, he was inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame. Irvin Kirshner, who directed the Star Wars film The Empire Strikes Back, passed away last Saturday due to lung cancer. 
He originally declined to direct the Star Wars sequel, but George Lucas persisted and eventually persuaded him to do it. He was also the only American to ever direct a James Bond film, 1983's Never Say Never Again, which starred Sean Connery. He was born in South Philadelphia in 1923 and passed away at his home in Los Angeles. The FBI thwarted an attempted terrorist bombing in Portland, Oregon this past Friday. A 19-year-old man from Corvallis, Oregon, drove a van full of what he thought were explosives to Pioneer Square during the city's Christmas tree lighting ceremony. According to the FBI's website, Mohammed Osman Mohammed, a naturalized U.S. citizen from Somalia and resident of Corvallis, Oregon, has been arrested on charges of attempting to use a weapon of mass destruction. Dwight C. Halton, U.S. Attorney for the District of Oregon, said, This defendant's chilling determination is a stark reminder that there are people, even here in Oregon, who are determined to kill Americans. The good work of law enforcement protected Oregonians in this case, and we have no reason to believe there is any continuing threat arising from this case. The Daily Oregonian is reporting that Mahmoud was previously investigated for date rape. I'm Rebecca Berkowitz for The Core News here on 90.3 The Core. This is The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. It's that time again. Time to eat more stuffing? No. Time to figure out what a sugar plum really is? Maybe. But for most people, it's time to buy gifts for friends, loved ones, and obligatory associates in preparation for the upcoming holidays. That crazed shopping season is again upon us, and to ease your festive burden, The Core News has compiled a few tips, definitions, and suggestions. We here at The Core know the holidays can be stressful, and perhaps the most stressful part is buying gifts for your friends and loved ones. I'm Norton with your Holiday Buyer's Guide, here to give you some suggestions for what's hot and in demand in a few key gift markets this season. In the video gaming world, there's lots of choices. Let me begin with the multi-platform games, games that are available on at least two of the major gaming consoles, and sometimes all three. Red Dead Redemption, Call of Duty Black Ops, and Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. If you're looking for an Xbox 360, two games to think about are Halo Reach and Fable 3. For the PS3, there's God of War 3, Mod Nation Racers, and Gran Turismo 5. If you're shopping for the Wii, you might want to look at Super Mario Galaxy 2, GoldenEye, Epic Mickey, and Donkey Kong Country Returns. These are all the latest and best-rated games exclusive to each console. Now, if you're shopping for a hardcore gamer, know that many of these games, and some that didn't make the list, do have collector's editions, so keep your eyes peeled and just remember they probably won't come cheap. Finally, don't forget about the new peripherals. For the PS3, there's the Move, and for the Xbox 360, the Kinect. These new systems allow players to control games using their own movement rather than using a traditional controller. Both the Move and the Kinect have created their own original games, so you can get the most out of their unique abilities. To find out more about video games for the holiday season, we consulted an expert, my brother, Jason Norton. What are the differences between the last Assassin's Creed and the new Assassin's Creed? I guess you should probably tell me a little something about the game first. That would be helpful. Assassin's Creed is a series of three games now that deals with the ancient assassins, and their struggle with the Templars. And it is a struggle that's been going on since the beginning of time, since the first civilization. In this particular game, our lead character, Ezio Altatori, is now 
has already formed the Assassin's Brotherhood and is now fighting in Rome against uh, his main enemies, Cesare Borgia and Rodrigo Borgia, who is the Pope at that time. Mm-hmm. The idea is that they have attacked his family, killed his uncle and um, his father, his brother, and stolen the Peace of Eden, which is a magical device that's an ancient technology from the first civilization on the planet that allows them to control the rest of the civilization. So Ezio needs to get back the apple in order to essentially save the world. And how does uh, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood compare to Assassin's Creed 2? Actually, uh, Assassin's Creed 3 Brotherhood is a continuation of Assassin's Creed 2. The story starts in Florence, Venice, Forli, and a couple of other cities in Italy, and the final chapter of Assassin's Creed Brotherhood takes you to Vatican City. The continuation of the game mainly deals with exploring the rest of Rome, which is an extremely large city in itself, and the goal is to unlock parts of the city, upgrade things like blacksmith shops, stables, doctor's offices, in order to gain a income from a uh, rent income so that you can progress and essentially rebuild Rome while uh, recruiting other assassins. And the main difference here is that for the first time ever, Assassin's Creed has a multiplayer mode, which will allow you to play against other individuals, but it also uh, allows you to recruit other assassins. Rather than just being a standalone game with a single assassin, you're now able to recruit and upgrade other assassins by saving the different citizens around the city of Rome and getting them to join your cause and sending them out on contracts and missions. Are those, like, the big differences? Is that pretty much the major difference? Um, those, are, those are some of the key differences. Um, you have returning characters such as Leonardo da Vinci, Nero Machiavelli, Caterina Storza, to name a few, and uh, you do meet some new faces uh, in Cesare and Lucretia Borgia. And the gameplay is still basically the same? The controls aren't going to be that different for people who want to do the new one versus yeah, the Yeah, you'll one. essentially be able to pick it up, and actually you start the game with 70% of your original equipment, so... It's almost like you have just essentially continued playing the game like an add-on pack. Do you think this is going to be a popular game for the holiday season? Yeah, absolutely. If you've played the first and second Assassin's Creed, definitely this is a welcomed addition. And it actually leaves you on a very nice cliffhanger that is will be a lead into the new game. All right, and we'll go over to Fable because you've played um, all three Fables, right? Yes, I have. Okay, and what's the, what's the story behind Fable? What's Fable about? Fable actually took a jump. The first Fable was an, uh, almost a completely different story than the second and third Fables. The, so essentially, Fable 3 is a continuation from Fable 2, and it's in the same land, the land of Albion. You play a character who is the brother, essentially the crown prince. You're the brother of the king. The king is not very well-liked, and he's not very fair to his people. And ultimately... He makes you make some very difficult choices, which forces you to flee the castle and travel around the world trying to gain followers to help you overthrow your wicked brother and reestablish order. You actually will, for the first time, take part in the decision-making process to making laws and spending the money of the kingdom. So you essentially are, for the first time, not just a good person or a bad person, but you're actually the ruler of the land of Albion. You didn't have that feature in the first game, or the second game? No. Um, essentially, this game is uh, pretty revolutionary in that it allows you to complete the quest 
by making a series of decisions which will either make you a good person or a bad person or somewhere in between. And your character's facial features, color schemes, and weapons are all affected by the decisions you make. Um, and for the first time, you're actually now going to be able to be the actual ruler of the land of Albion rather than just a, a character within the kingdom. Okay, that sounds pretty good. So you think that's going to be a, a good selling game this holiday season? It's actually a little bit ahead of the, it came out a little bit ahead of the uh, holiday season. I'm sure a lot of people picked it up already, especially the true fans of the first and second game. So I, I figure I see Assassin's Creed um, having more sales, but both are extremely solid games, and there's a lot of replay value, especially for individuals who like to earn console accomplishments, such as uh, Xbox accomplishments. Oh, like the achievements. PlayStation. Um, have you heard like any of your friends or relatives talking about like games they're interested in this season, like what uh, they're looking yes. for? The new big game is Call of Duty Black Ops, and that's a continuation of Modern Warfare, which is another Call of Duty game. This one takes place for the first time in the Vietnam era, and it'll essentially there actually is um, some talk about tie-ins with zombies, so maybe something like Left 4 Dead, maybe not to that extent, but... It's essentially a first-person shooter with a lot of cool weapons and a massive multiplayer following where soldiers are ranked and they can work in teams and operate vehicles and um, special guns outside of just single handheld guns, such as like the Predator drone. In the new game, I believe you can call in airstrikes as well. So that's something that they uh, had in Modern Warfare that is a welcome continuation. So Black Ops would be definitely one that is going to be popular this Christmas. Have you played Black Ops at all? I haven't had a chance to play it. Also, Halo 3, I'm sure that's selling quite quite well. I believe it's called Halo Reach. Yeah. That's a pretty popular game. Um, you know, the typical Halo fans really enjoy that. Then uh, for possibly after, sometime after the holiday season, I think Gears of War 3 will be coming out soon or is uh, in the final stages of development. Do you think collector's editions have any advantages over regular editions, or are they pretty much the same, just the collector's? No, absolutely. Collector's editions add uh, some pretty neat stuff. The collector's edition for Assassin's Creed gave you the um, soundtrack for the game, colored art booklet, a custom map, and the uh, special add-ins to the game, downloadable content add-ins. So collector's editions are definitely, if you're a fan where you would be the kind of person who would pre-order, a specific game because you're really into it, the collector's editions add a lot of value. But you have to be careful, especially what, what electronic store that you're, you're going to be purchasing it from because every different company, such as Best Buy and Walmart, have different special features that come with their pre-orders and certain collector's editions are not available or available only within certain stores. As far as the Move and the Connect go, do you know anyone who's tried those, or have you tried them? Yes, I've tried the I've tried the Connect. It's very similar to the controls that the Wii introduced us to, but it takes us to the next level because your body actually becomes the controller. So you can essentially play games like Wii Sports or Mario Party, but without having to hold a controller which gives you a lot of flexibility. It's going to be a pretty cool concept, but it's still early in the game design, and we haven't really seen that one marquee game to really leverage the Connect in a way that people are, are really going to want to go ahead and pick it up. But it's definitely cool technology, and a lot of the um, people who are a little more cutting edge will probably pick, that, pick up the Connect. Do you think... The Kinect has an advantage over the Move, whereas the Kinect doesn't have an actual controller. 
and the move does, the move is a bit closer to the Wii in that respect? Yeah, no, definitely not having to have a controller, not having to hold anything does have its advantages, but it also has its disadvantages because I'm sure everybody moves a little bit differently. But Connect, from what I understand, is very flexible, and they've really taken the time to do the due diligence and design around the ways different people move to try to kind of make it a little bit more uniform. But, you know, personally, um, I'm not a proponent of, I, you know, I, I'm used to the controller-based gameplay, and there's very few games that, that I've seen really be adapted in such a way that I would want to use a connect or move as opposed to the actual controller. All right. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say about the holiday season and the, the video game gift-giving aspect of it? Yeah, I think definitely for uh, the people listening out there, uh, good gifts would be uh, gift certificates to Best Buy or GameStop or whatever your favorite retailer is, because um, a lot of what we've seen historically with video games is most games don't actually come out during the holiday season because it's such a busy season and it's you know very critical, and usually they're releasing consoles at that time. So gift certificates are a great replacement because you can spend them after the holidays when they do actually release a lot of their new games in the first quarter of the year. This is The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. You just heard Jason Norton talking about new video games coming out this holiday season and some gift-buying ideas. We'll hear more from the Holiday Gift Guide when The Core News returns, right after this. What up, y'all? This is K Murdoch from Panacea, representing good progressive hip-hop music. And you know, I can get that any time of the day. The morning, noon, and especially when I'm doing it at night, in the midnight, when the night is on my mind. Much like Midnight from Midnight Marauders. But in this case, it's Midnight Marauder-yo, featuring DJ Lazy G and DJ Bernard, right here on 90.3 The Core. Get in tune. Listen to Midnight Marauder, Wednesday nights at midnight to 2 a.m. Here, only on 90.3, The Core. What's your number? What's yours? My number is cool. So, mine is cool too. But, is your number cool enough? Here, let me check. Yep, it's cool enough. Is your refrigerator cool enough? Don't let germs grow on your food. Keep your fridge between 32 and 40 degrees and stay healthy. This message is brought to you by the Food Safety Campaign from the Rutgers Nutritional Sciences Department and 90.3 The Core. This is The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. Now to tell you about handheld electronics from cell phones to music players and of course those televisions everybody likes these days. Here's Norton with the rest of the Core News Holiday Gift Buying Guide. Handheld electronics have been one of the most popular gifts of the last few years and that hasn't changed in 2010. Let's talk over what to look for when shopping for one of these tried and true gifts. First off, with regard to portable media players, consider the features. If you're just looking for music players, consider that both Sony and ScanDisc offer a range of simpler MP3 players, which won't hurt your wallet too much. If you would like the device to handle music, photos, and video, among other things, then know you'll be spending considerably more money. 
And while the market has mostly been dominated by Apple with its iPod Nano, Touch, and Classic, Microsoft has been making a dent with the Zune and Zune HD. According to CNET.com, the Zune HD offers an HD radio tuner and long battery life and allows you to rent movies. But the Zune has a limited selection of apps and games, and you can't use it with a Mac. Now onward to the smartphones, and while there's not a whole lot of selection, it's very important to consider a few key aspects when picking out a smartphone. First off, there's size. Though many devices are built to be small and sleek, there are some bulky versions out there. Second, consider the features you are looking for. This is where you'll need to do a lot of homework, because if the phone is being used more for the features than traditional communication, you'll want to pick out the cream of the crop. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, there's the network and price. Each network has pros and cons, and most networks will tie you in for at least a year, if not two years, for a contract. Smartphones are fun, but they come at a steep price, specifically because once you've paid for the device, you have the added monthly service charge thereafter. Last but not least, we have the tablet, the big new handheld gadget that's all the rage right now. When picking out a tablet, consider the size, storage capacity, and features of the device. Mind the OS, as some operating systems don't offer the same features as others do, so be wary. Like phones, many tablets use data plans for their internet capabilities, so do your homework to find the most reasonably priced contracts out there. Some tablets do have Wi-Fi capabilities, but these are not yet 100% reliable. Finally, I'll give you a few DVD and Blu-ray releases to consider as gifts, and of course a buyer's guide to help you select a good TV to view them on. Lots of popular movies and TV shows are hitting the shelves for the holiday season. There's Avatar Collector's Edition, Back to the Future 25th Anniversary Trilogy, Iron Man 2, Inception, Alien Anthology, Lost, The Complete Collection, Glee, The First Season, and the Toy Story Ultimate Toy Box Collection. As for the TV buying guide, here are some clarifications to make your head stop spinning. HD stands for high definition. The main difference between an LCD or liquid crystal display television and a plasma television is the way the pixels are illuminated. LCDs use electric charges to excite liquid crystal cells to produce colors, while plasma uses electricity to excite plasma gas that produces the red, green, and blue colors. LED, which stands for Light Emitting Diode, is a feature of some LCD TVs in an effort to make the picture quality closer to that of plasma by having each pixel have its own source of light. Plasma TVs excel in picture quality, especially when the room is dark or dimly lit, or there is a lot of action on screen, and watching from different angles, as opposed to watching head-on. LCD TVs tend to have a longer lifespan, a better picture quality in brightly lit rooms, and don't run the risk of burn-in, meaning an image can burn into the screen permanently if left static for an hour or more. Though many new plasma TVs have anti-burn-in features, which can reduce the risk greatly, it is not advised to have any image left on the screen for longer than 20 minutes. The standard resolution or picture quality measured in pixels for high-def TVs is 1080p, which is sometimes referred to as true or ultra or full HD. It means the number of pixels in the picture along each horizontal row. In the beginning, most LCD TVs were 720p. Smaller models continue to have this resolution. 
Refresh rate, which is measured in hertz, runs the gamut from 6 to 600. And while most salespeople will tell you the higher the better, this isn't 100% accurate. 60 hertz is fine, but 120 and 240 hertz do provide a higher quality picture when it comes to lots of motion on screen, especially if you see a model with MEMC in the specs. That stands for Motion Estimation and Motion Compensation. This means you can get an LCD TV with the picture quality of a plasma TV. However, they also have a higher price tag. So, if you have the extra cash, then by all means treat yourself. But it's not a necessity. As for what you should consider when buying a TV for yourself or others, first things first, screen size. For bedrooms, you should pick up a TV no less than 32 inches. If the destination will be a living room, up that minimum to 40 inches. HDMI or high-definition multimedia interface ports are also very important. An HDMI port is capable of carrying both audio and visual information in one cable, as opposed to the days of analog when multiple cables were needed. Look for at least three ports on the TV so you can connect your cable box video gaming console, and or Blu-ray or DVD player. Finally, internet options sound great, but don't forget you're going to need to hook your TV up to an Ethernet cable, and most don't have built-in Wi-Fi. If you have a gaming console with web browsing capabilities, that's a much cheaper option than trying to hook up a separate internet connection. Well, there you have it. I hope I've made your job a little easier this season. Have a safe and happy holiday. That was Norton with your Core Holiday Gift Buying Guide. This is The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. If you're looking for some things to do around Rutgers this week, on Tuesday, November 30th, open mic night for World AIDS Awareness at 7 p.m. at the Livingston Student Center Coffee House. Join the Student Volunteer Council in a night of food and entertainment for World's World AIDS Awareness. You can contact them at svc at echo.rutgers.edu. On Wednesday, December 1st, Mindfulness Meditation at noon at the Rutgers Student Center, room 402. Mindfulness is the art of becoming a compassionate observer of your own experience. All are welcome, faculty, staff, and students. No previous experience required. Also on Wednesday, Art After Hours, first Wednesdays at the Zimmerli Art Museum, on Voorhees Mall on College Avenue. That's from 5 to 9 p.m. For more information, you can check them out on the web. It's samurlymuseum.rutgers.edu. On Thursday, the Rutgers Jazz Chamber Ensemble performs at the, at the Douglas Nicholas Music Center at 8 p.m. And on Friday, December 3rd, a seminar, Whose Solvent Was It?, this environmental litigation case study will focus on distinguishing groundwater contamination from three chlorinated solvents in a commingled plume. Refreshments served at 2.15. For more information, check out envsci.rutgers.edu. That's from 2.30 to 3.30 at the Environmental and Natural Resource Sciences Building, 14 College Farm Road. If you're looking for some cool organizations that put on fun events like these... Well then, you might want to listen to these Rutgers student activities. It's called Alpha. It's for finance and accounting majors mostly, but anyone can join. I'm um, an econ major in here. 
we're associated with all these companies like Ernst Young, Deloitte, Johnson Johnson. We meet every other Sunday nights. So like this semester we're having events for night with Johnson Johnson, Bank of America, and Deloitte. They come in and talk to you about internship opportunities and networking. So it's good for business people. Alpha.org, or you can just join our Facebook group, Alpha New Brunswick. Rutgers University Association of International Relations. We're the Mali UN team for the college. We go to different colleges and debate and different um, organized forums. And uh, we usually have something like the UN. We, we have a mock UN, uh, United, United Nations Security Council, and you could be like the United States in it, any debate about like North Korea or terrorism in Pakistan or something like that. And you take the country's position on the topic. And then you win awards, you have a good time with friends. Pretty much the gist of the club. Ruer.org. Uh, this is Rutgers Cantonese Club. We're a uh, Asian interest student organization. We focus around family, so we have a lot of like events that circle around our big little program. Basically, you have like an upperclassman that you follow around. Uh, we treat them to dinner. You have like a whole lineage going on, and you know that's how that's how we roll. <laughs> Our website is rcc.rutgers.edu, and you can email us at rutgersicc at gmail.com. Douglas Orientation Committee. We uh, do the Douglas Freshman Orientation in the fall. Douglas Student Recruitment Office. 732-932-9500. Welcome to Upper Bound. Free college program to prepare high school students for college. We want undergrads to mentor and help youth. Contact Rutgers Upward Bound, Livingston Campus, 732-445-3090, extension 177, or uppardbound at echo.ruckers.edu. Rutgers Study Abroad. The greatest experience of your life, bar none. That's pretty much sums it up. I don't have any contact information. Go to our website, studyabroad.ruckers.edu, for more information, or come to our office, 102 College Avenue. Rutgers University Glee Club. Rutgers University Glee Club is amazing. We sing amazing Rutgers songs, and we're at all the Rutgers games and choir, concert. Everything is good with Rutgers Glee Club. Gleeclub.ruckers.edu. Cabaret Theater. Okay, we do all types of theater. We do regular plays, musicals, play festivals, uh, directors' workshops. We're very into the process, and uh, our general interest meeting is next Tuesday, September 7th at 8 p.m. CabaretTheater.org Our organization's name is the College Avenue Players. We are a theater group who does comedies in Scott Hall over there in a lecture hall. We're funny, we're fun, and we get along with everyone. That rhymed, that was awesome. Yeah, our website is www.collegeavplayers.com Contact information is, uh, we have contact information on these things right here, but um, basically all of our contact information is on our website. Uh, that's where we, uh, yep, everything's on there. The Rutgers Juggling Club. We're a group of jugglers and people who don't know how to juggle. And we teach people to juggle other objects, just clubs and balls. And we have fun, and we like to make friends, and we like new members. Um, are you juggling at gmail.com? And the website is eden.ruckers.edu. Squiggly thing. Juggle. That's all for this edition of the Core News. We will be back next Monday at 7 p.m. right here on 90.3 The Core. Or you can catch our podcast anytime online at thecore.fm. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, 
If you're maybe staying at home and thinking you'd like to join the Core News team yourself, well, then you can send us some email to news at thecore.fm. The Core News has been brought to you by Amy Bronstein, Rebecca Berkowitz, Norton, Stephen Yannick, and Mindy Hoffman. You've been listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core.